Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. This episode is sponsored by italki. That's a service that you can use to connect with language teachers and native speakers online to improve your English speaking. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk to get started. And you can get a $10 discount from italki if you follow that uh, URL. Okay, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. Now let's carry on with this episode. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. You can't touch this. This is a masterpiece of the English language. All righty then. Just think of the accolades it's received over the years. Wait a minute. Who are you? I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Ooh, this is going to be good. Really? Yes. I want to get into it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, This is Luke's English Podcast. And this is Britain at its best. Oh, you lucky people! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this episode, which is all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, superheroes superhero films and the latest Marvel movie, uh, which is called Captain America Civil War. And uh, so we now continue with this one, which I started in the previous one. So this is like part two, essentially. Um, And where was I? Where was I um, at the end of the last episode? I think I was in the middle of kind of just bringing us up to date with the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. And I think um, I had just talked about uh, Spider-Man films and things. So I'm basically kind of like going through a history of um, superhero movies um, before we get into the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe of, of, of the last 10 years or so. And then eventually I'll talk about this latest film, which um, I saw in the cinemas, just uh, the cinemas, just one cinema. It's in the cinemas, but I saw it in a cinema uh, just last week. And I'm going to tell you what I thought of it. Okay, so um, that's it. I'm not going to go on anymore. Um, Let's now carry on. And I think I'm about to tell you about the Incredible Hulk film, which was directed by Ang Lee something like 2003 2002 I actually don't remember I could look that up on the international movie database but um, I'm not going to I'm just going to give a vague uh, idea that oh oh, what the hell okay I'll look it up Uh, Hulk movie Uh, Ang Lee director Um, let's just find the date just to give it a bit of you know, like, uh, seriousness here, just so... Oh, yeah, it was 2003. Okay, it was 2003. Um, and it's it seems to have been considered a failure. You've probably seen that film. Have you? Uh, I wonder what you thought. I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's... On the International Movie Database, it has a, a rating of 5.7 out of 10, which is not that great. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I quite liked it, actually. Uh, I did actually quite like it. 
I'm now going to stop talking in this introduction and let myself carry on um, uh, with the episode. Okay, right. So I'm now going to stop so that I can continue. Does that make sense? I wonder if it does. Okay, well, here's me continuing to talk about Marvel movies. All right, speak to you. Well, speak to you now. All right, then. So there was that Incredible Hulk film directed by Ang Lee, as I mentioned. That was from around 2002, 2003, I think, maybe earlier. And I thought that that was, personally, I thought that was actually pretty good. But I I guess the main problem with it was the special effects. And the, the special effects were just a bit dodgy. They didn't quite get the Hulk right. He looked a bit like a big, bright green, angry, floaty baby having a tantrum. You know, he was he was the wrong colour of green. He was too bright. He looked like a big green baby, you know? But the character development was, in my opinion, pretty good. I like the way they explored the character. And I think that the actor, Eric Banner, did a good job. And there was an amazing scene where Hulk fights with his father underwater. I'm not going to talk more about that. I don't want to spoil it. But there's an amazing cup. There's some quite stunning scenes in that film and they did add a sort of an emotional element to this to the hulk in those movies i I thought they were okay but the special effects looked it looked a bit dodgy the hulk just didn't look scary enough um then of course we had those fantastic four films which were pretty crap nothing really to say about them and there was that new fantastic four film that came out last year they tried to reboot the franchise in you know the new serious darker tone but apparently that was a disaster. I haven't seen it, but apparently a disaster at the box office. No one liked it. So probably the less said about that, the better. Um, then I'm, I've already mentioned the X-Men films that have gone up and down in terms of quality. Um, um, I quite like the reboot of the X-Men films, because of mainly because of the actors they have. There's Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy and Jennifer Lawrence, and I will watch them in most things, I, I think that they're really great and interesting actors to watch on the screen. Also, I really like the character of Wolverine. I think he's a, one of the best characters in the in the whole Marvel universe. He's probably the best character of the X-Men series. And Wolverine has had his own movies. He's had a couple of solo films, which have... Uh, they've been mixed. I think the first solo Wolverine movie was, was probably a flop. Uh... Um, and also the second Wolverine movie was all right, but nothing special really. Um, um, and uh, it's a pity because I think D- Wolverine as a character deserves better films. Um, and Hugh Jackman, the actor who plays Wolverine, he's perfect for the role of Wolverine. I mean, he really owns that role. So we, you know, it would be great to have a really genuinely great Wolverine movie, and it would be amazing if they could somehow get Wolverine into into the Avengers. I don't know if that's possible. There's probably lots of contracts and legal reasons why that can't happen. Um, but generally, X X Man X Men movies are usually better when Wolverine is involved. And yeah, I'm going to talk about the new X Man X Men. I'm going to talk about the new X Men movie um in in an episode very soon okay so those marvel films that i've just mentioned are not really made by marvel we've already established that um so let's now talk about the marvel films which are made by marvel so here we're talking about the marvel uh, cinematic universe that's what it's called 
principally the films that center on the Avengers. So Marvel's plan, uh, which I think is at the time was headed by an executive called Kevin Feige, their plan was to start financing and producing their own films rather than just licensing them to other companies who sort of did it badly. Um, so they, they would start their own films with characters that they had exclusive rights to and then build a catalogue of awesome films which are all set up in the same universe. And this would also allow the studio to have complete creative control which is probably a good idea because nobody knows or cares about Marvel characters more than Marvel themselves, except maybe the guy who created all these characters, Stan Lee. And um, Stan Lee, yeah, grey-haired um, gentleman these days, but he's the guy who actually created most of these characters, Stan Lee. Um, and you've probably noticed that Stan Lee actually appears in pretty much every single Marvel movie that there is. He has a cameo appearance in every single Marvel movie. He's like an old grey-haired guy with a moustache. And if you see a grey-haired man with a moustache in a, in a Marvel movie, it's probably Stan Lee. Like, he's a postman here. He works in an office here. You know, he's a police officer here. He just has these bit parts. And uh, it's always funny when you see Stan Lee in a Marvel movie. Uh, he's the guy who created them. So, the characters that we're talking about in these movies are the ones principally involved in the Avengers storyline. So, we're talking about Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Falcon, Black Panther, Nick Fury, and others. Um, so, the overall plan, I think, for Marvel was to establish these characters in their own films first. And then, and those, those you know, uh, solo films would essentially be origin stories for the characters so that we would get to know their backgrounds and their contexts. And then they would bring those characters together at regular intervals in these big event movies that would essentially be sort of like um, where all the characters all appear together in the same movie. And those event movies would be so irresistible to audiences, just the, the, um, the promise, just the... Uh, the appeal of seeing these different characters from their own movies interacting together on the screen would be so irresistible to audiences that all the box office records would be smashed and Marvel would make tons of money. And that's pretty much exactly what they've done. They started with Iron Man in 2006. And since then, Marvel have brought out 13 films, including Iron Man, in the last 10 years. And not to mention a few TV spin-offs as well, like for example, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, Agent Carter, Daredevil, and some other ones as well. Uh, Captain America Civil War is the 13th film in the series, and it marks the beginning of Phase 3 in Marvel's cinematic universe. Yep, uh, Phase 3. Um, Marvel is releasing its films in phases. You could consider these films to be like massive feature-length, high-budget episodes in a huge cinematic series. Um, every film adds elements to this larger universe. And this is really a very effective marketing strategy because the success of any one film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe leads to the success of the series as a whole. And then the movies in which more than one character feature instantly gain a certain value. I mean, for example, it's exciting when Tony Stark appears in a Hulk movie or when Ant-Man turns up in a Captain America film or whatever um, and when they all feature in the same movie on the same team or against each other it's just box office gold isn't it and oh and by the way 
I realise I haven't mentioned Deadpool yet either. So here I am mentioning Deadpool. Um, Deadpool really belongs to the X-Men universe, I think, but he's a very popular Marvel character who seems to... Um, he's kind of original. He's a bit different to the others because he's very comical, really. He's, he's a sort of comedy character, although he does have his own um, emotional story as well. But Deadpool is different because he constantly breaks the fourth wall. And by that, I mean he always seems to talk to the reader. He's aware. He's self-aware. He knows he's a character in a in a, a comic book universe. And he often sort of winks at the camera and makes comments directly to the reader or to the viewer. Um, and uh, he tells lots of jokes and things. He's an interesting character because he's, he's, he's a bit like Wolverine in that he's he kind of can heal himself. So he's, I think he's immortal. I'm not sure. I haven't actually seen the Deadpool movie, which came out uh, earlier this year, but apparently it's very good. So there's Deadpool. And I know a lot of people love Deadpool. Um, so I just wanted to mention him. So um, what about these Marvel movies? So um, here is now a summary of the, of the 12 films that we've had so far and how they fit into the three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then I'm going to talk about Captain America's Civil War, which is the 13th, and I'll give my movie review of that. We are now an hour into this episode. Let's see if I can do this um, in about 15 minutes. All right. So I'm, I'm first of all, uh, I'm going to be reading a few things from the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki page. Again, I'm no expert on this, so forgive me if I get any little details wrong. Please feel free to add your comments on the website. The only film I haven't seen in this series, in fact, is the Incredible Hulk movie. That they, yeah, the new, the sort of the second Incredible Hulk movie, because there was the Ang Lee one, and then they did another one with Ed Ed Norton as the uh, as as the main character. Uh, I gather, in fact, that that. Hulk movie is the weakest of the series. That's probably why I haven't seen it because I've read and I've heard that it's not that great. So I haven't really gone out of my way to watch it. So we'll start with phase one. Um, and um, so this is phase one. So this is the first part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and the synopsis here on Marvel Cinematic Universe.wikia.com for phase one is that. This is the first set of movies and it introduces the main universe in which the films are set as well as core characters like Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hulk, Black Widow, Hawkeye and Nick Fury and organisations like S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. Many of the films in Phase 1 focus on an object called the Tesseract which is an alien artefact that's later established as one of the six Infinity Stones. The Infinity Stones seem to be very important, very powerful objects that kind of contain the essence of the universe. And it's these objects that um, it seem to be the, the driving force in the, the larger narrative of the Marvick, uh, Marvick, the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. So we'll see later on as we move through phase three that the Infinity Stones are going to become more and more important. Uh, you know, in movies, there's always, there, you always need a thing that's going to drive the narrative. Like, for example, the ring in Lord of the Rings, uh, the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, 
It needs to be a thing, a MacGuffin, a thing that drives the narrative in any film. And in this case, it seems to be the Infinity Stones. Um, so the final film of, of Phase 1 was The Avengers, and that involves the villains uh, Loki and Thanos allying together in order to steal the Tesseract and then conquer Earth. And this threat leads to the formation of The Avengers. Fine. And so we had the movies Iron Man, the, the first Iron Man film, which was great um largely thanks to uh, robert downey jr who's just perfect for the role of tony stark because he sort of seems to uh have many of the characteristics that we associate with with tony stark um then um then we had the incredible hulk um and that's summarized like this uh, in the incredible hulk uh, it says, thanks to a gamma ray experiment gone wrong, Dr. Bruce Banner must deal with the side effects as well as being hunted by the military. Meanwhile, a soldier uses the same technology to become a deadly abomination. Incredible Hulk essentially is, um, well, he's like a rage monster. The angrier he gets, the more powerful he gets. We'll, we'll come on to the specifics of the characters later on. Okay, so that's basically uh, phase one. Uh, let's move on to phase two. I'm not going to go through every single movie, um, but uh, phase two, the synopsis here is is this. So the second phase focuses on the post-Battle of New York events that happened in the Avengers movie, uh, and it also in introduces more heroes. So more characters are introduced, including uh, characters like Falcon, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, The Vision... Ant-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy and it further explains the origin of the Infinity Stones and in the movie Captain America the Winter Soldier we learn that the terrorist group Hydra has actually managed to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. resulting in the agency's collapse so you've got these two sort of organizations S.H.I.E.L.D. which is supposed to be an organization that um is there to sort of protect the world. It's like a, a secret service organisation to protect the world. And then a Hydra, they're like a sort of evil, sort of uh, sort of weird fascist evil dictatorship kind of thing. Um, and so we learn about the way that Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. are uh, sort of related to each other. And then in, at the end of Phase 2, we get another big Avengers movie, which um, is all around uh, this this uh, artificial intelligence created by Tony Stark, which was designed to protect the Earth. But it goes evil, it goes wrong, and uh, we get Ultron, this kind of super powerful uh, um, artificial intelligence, which uh, manages to build itself a body, uh, Ultron. So that's Phase 2. Let's move on to Phase 3. And in the in phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, we get this. So phase three is set during a time of discord generated from the aftermath of Ultron's attack against the Earth. And uh, with public opinion of superheroes becoming increasingly divided, the Avengers become fragmented. Um, and in the midst of the Avengers' turmoils, a number of new characters are introduced, such as Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Spider-Man, Wasp, and Captain Marvel. Um, also, we've learned that Thanos' plot to collect all of the Infinity Stones um, sort of happens. And um, this began in, at the end of Phase 1, and it sort of concluded at, at the end of Phase 3. 
All right, so essentially phase one, origin stories, phase two, sort of development, phase three, the, the, the Avengers kind of break up and Thanos comes in in order to try and control all of the Infinity Stones. Uh, and we're going to get more um, uh, uh, Marvel movies that sort of deal with, with phase three uh, in the future. So that brings us to Captain America Civil War, which is the first part of phase three. So this deals really with uh, how the the Avengers kind of break up, how they get, f- how the team gets fractures and fractured and fragmented because of their differences in opinions and some other personal issues. So I'm going to talk now about Civil War. Um, I got there in the end, didn't I, Mayumi? I got there in the end. Took me an hour of of rambling about Marvel, but here we are. I'm going to avoid any major spoilers for this film because I'm sure that some of you haven't seen it. My first thoughts about uh, Captain America: Civil War are that the that this is great. I, I really loved it. I thought it was really good. First of all, the action is absolutely wicked. All right, the action is great. The film opens with some amazing fighting by Captain America and his team. And Captain America has a brutal fighting style. He's sort of got this mix of different martial arts and stuff. Um, And the way he uses his fighting techniques in the film are just brilliant. Uh, There's quite a lot of realism in those fight scenes. Even if Captain America is an enhanced human, even if he is a superhero, you get the sense of realism in these action sequences. Um, And Captain America, in a way, is a bit like Jason Bourne. Um... You know, you get there's a certain sort of bone crunching realism in the fight scenes, except that they're enhanced by his super strength. Um, you get some like brutal combat with Captain America and other characters doing all of their martial arts and all that stuff. And right from the beginning of the movie, it's exciting, it's fun, it's humorous, and it puts you right on the edge of your seat. Um, and I think there is something original in that sense of realism in these movies. I mean, you got that a bit in the Batman movies, the Christopher Nolan Batman films. You got the sense of sort of uh, um, tangible weight and physical realism. And in for me, the, when superhero movies go bad is when you get that sense that there's just special effects. Like, I don't like the... I don't like computer-generated monsters smashing each other. There's nothing interesting about that. I like to... I like it when my superheroes have their weaknesses, when they're a little bit human. I think that makes it a lot more interesting. So in Captain America Civil War, which is up there with the better Marvel movies, you get the right mix of realism and comic book fantasy, okay? So I'm now reading from some some handwritten notes that I, I, I wrote down after seeing the film recently. So... Um, firstly, yeah, the realism. It mostly feels pretty realistic. Uh, the best action feels like the the action scenes in the Bourne Identity movies. It's chunky. You get a sense of the weight and the heft of these people and the speed in which they move. But there is also fantasy elements as well. There are fantasy elements which kind of obviously have their appeal. Um, you know, this is a comic book movie about superheroes, so there are special effects but they are never completely out of control. I mean, I have some issues with some of the superpowers here, but generally speaking, the effects are used quite quite well. They're never completely over the top, like in some of the superhero movies you get. Like, for example, the Superman film, I found that the, the, the last half an hour of that was just 
boring special effects, too many explosions. It wasn't interesting. Um, so this film is not a total fantasy. It doesn't feel like a ridiculous cartoon, except for a few things. So one of the things that I really like about it is the way that it's character-driven. May, and this may be the most important thing, really. You never lose sight of the motivations of these characters. You always get a sense of how they feel about the situations that they're in. Um, they The film spends a good amount of time establishing the personalities of the characters. It establishes their motivations. And these motivations and character traits are always right at the centre of every scene. And that really carries the whole film forwards. There's a sort of an emotional... Um, drive to the whole thing and this helps you care it actually means that you care about the characters and what's happening in every moment you care about them and so when they're punching each other when they're punching each other's teeth down their throats then you feel that you're invested in it to an extent and you feel an emotional impact not just a physical one also these characters are not flawless they're not perfect they have their imperfections and they have their weaknesses. So there is a sense of jeopardy. There is a sense that these characters could be injured or hurt or, or they could die. I mean, I don't think we've had a major death, really, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet, have we? Have any of the characters, any of the major characters actually died? Um, so, you know, the, the characters have weaknesses. They have, like, egos. They have sensitive points like the, their family and friends that they love. Uh, there are moments from their past. They have personal histories that come up and play a part in, in the action. Uh, the characters have principles and all that kind of thing. And this, again, makes you feel a lot more invested in what's happening and also makes the characters three-dimensional and likeable and humorous and emotional and stuff like that. Now, the film is not perfect, but it's much better than Superman, Man of Steel, for example, which, in my opinion, was pretty bad because I just felt like the whole long fight sequences at the end were just stupid and I didn't care what happened. Superman and General Zod in that film, they just seem indestructible. And so the fight just goes on and on and on and more and more buildings get smashed. Um, and so, you know, just doesn't seem to be that interesting, really. Um also, the motivations of the characters in that Superman film weren't really consistent with the action that we were seeing. Like, Superman is supposed to be a protector of the Earth, right? He's supposed to be a hero. But in that film, he destroys, like, half of New York in a fairly careless manner. Um, it's like 9-11. It's like 50 9-11s all happen in one day. And he doesn't seem to save anyone except Lois Lane who, it seems to me, performs no other function in the film other than just to be a woman who needs to be rescued, which was a little bit insulting to our intelligence. Now, I haven't seen Batman versus Superman, but I have heard that it's, to an extent, more of the same thing, although I think they deal with some of the moral complications of the fact that Superman destroyed half the, half the city and that there's a sort of a ethical question about, you know should superheroes be allowed to to cause so much damage and what about the collateral damage caused by superheroes so i think that may be dealt with a little bit in superman versus batman and uh, apparently there are some good bits with ben affleck as a as a fairly brutal and cynical version of batman but essentially i think that probably it's style over substance but 
uh, Captain America and Marvel movies in general have style and they have substance as well. So they have def- they have well-defined characters that we understand on an emotional level, as well as cool abilities and superpowers that are, uh, you know, an impressive spectacle. Uh, but it's not all perfect. Uh, for example, I don't understand some of the powers that uh, these characters have. And I think there's some there are some inconsistencies here. Like, you know, for example, some of the characters seem to have much, much more powerful abilities than others. And so it doesn't seem to be a completely fair fight. For example, there's a character called Scarlet Witch. Now, what is her power exactly? I mean, there's a gap here in what I know. I mean, you might know more about her, so you can write that in the comments section. But what is Scarlet Witch's power? It seems that she just has like a a, a, a purple... She's just got like a purple force. I don't know what it is, but she's able to use the power of purple. Um, she can sort of fling purple balls at people. She uses like a purple force field to protect herself and protect other people. It looks like she can move objects. She can just move objects with her mind. She can manipulate matter, it seems. And also it seems that she can control people's minds. Now, if you can control matter, if you can move objects and control people's minds, doesn't that make her easily the most powerful of all of the Marvel characters? Couldn't she just, for example, just pick up Captain America and just throw him against a wall again and again and again, or just fly him into the air so he lands on the ground and dies? Couldn't she do that? Couldn't she just, like, stop Iron Man in the air with her mind and just crush him inside his suit? If she has control over actual matter, surely she'd be able to just crush all of the all of all of the other characters if she wanted to. So I'm not completely sure about the extent of her powers. Also, the other character I don't really understand is Vision. Now, I don't really get it. I don't really get Vision. Now, okay, he's interesting. I'll give him that. He's fascinating because I think there's a lot of depth there in what Vision is and what his powers really are. Um like Vision, I think he's a computer program, isn't he? Or is he? Is What's he made of? I don't get it. I mean, I, I maybe I wasn't paying attention in the previous Avengers movie when Vision arrived, but I don't really understand what he is. He seems to be like a god or something. I don't know. I just He just seems to be way more powerful than some of the other characters, which, you know, means that it's not exactly a level playing field here. Like the he, the vision has an infinity stone in his forehead, doesn't that make him way more powerful than Iron Man and Captain America? I don't know. And also, why is he not involved in more of the action? Because surely, if he's that powerful, he would be involved. I don't really know. But I think I think that these problems are kind of dealt with a little bit in the film because while we kind of wonder about these characters the characters in the movie are also sort of wondering about themselves. Scarlet Witch and the Vision, they both are fairly new to their powers. They, they're they still struggling with their place in the universe. They don't really understand their powers. They haven't really got full control over their powers. They don't really know where their, uh, where their hearts really lie. In fact, it's quite interesting to see the two of them um, uh, sort of interact with each other. And there may be some kind of relationship developing there. Um, 
so it kind of fits you know like the there are problems with the film but it seems that uh, the film manages to kind of deal with these things that don't make sense and there are also little jokes and little self-conscious winks to the audience about little things that don't quite match up like for example captain america's shield he throws his shield around because he's got this shield made of vibranium which is like apparently the most powerful material in the universe and he throws that shield around then it flies around hitting people and it seems to kind of it seems to just curve round in the air. It defies the laws of physics, his shield. And there's a moment in the film where someone actually says that to him. They say, come on, Cap. Come on, Cap. Not in an English accent. Uh, but come on, that shield just defies the laws of physics. So they do kind of, you know, make little jokes about some of the things that don't make sense. Um, so, yeah, all right. So characters a little overview of some of the characters um that i haven't described yet uh, there's a character called the winter soldier and i think he's brilliant he's like an out of control captain america and he's got a bionic arm that's good um black panther um black panther is pretty cool even if he is dressed as a panther and i think it's a little bit silly when superheroes dress as animals because you know he's got little ears like batman and I, as you know, I've always had a problem with characters who have little pointy ears on their suits. I just don't think it's necessary and it makes them look a bit silly. But other than the, the little ears, he does look cool. He's got a wicked black suit and it's covered in vibranium. So he's kind of bulletproof and stuff. And he's a mysterious character. He's got this really cool uh, martial art fighting style. We don't really know much about him at this stage, but they're probably going to make a, a Black Panther movie about him at some point so we're going to find out more stuff about black panther in the future but um we do know that he comes from a country called wakanda which is somewhere in africa and he has superpowers he does have superpowers i was wondering about that it doesn't really explain but apparently he does so he is not just a bloke with you know uh martial art skills he also has some superpowers there's an amazing scene right in this film in which the characters are chasing each other. You get uh, the Winter Soldier, Captain America and Black Panther sort of involved in a, in a chase on foot. And they're, they're running through the streets and they're all running at about 50 kilometres an hour. It doesn't make a big deal of it, out of it. You know, the film is not broad. It's, it doesn't sort of emphasise that much. But you realise that the characters are running and they're faster than a lot of the cars that are driving along the road. And so it's, you know, it's a fairly underplayed moment, but you realise the, the the kind of powers that these people have. And it's really well done because it has a sense of realism to it. Um, also, they managed to set up the character motivation of Black Panther very efficiently in just a few scenes. And the actor who plays him has a certain quiet charisma. Uh, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from him in the future. Uh, Black Widow, I should mention her. I'm not going to have a chance to mention everyone here, by the way, um, because I, I, I should probably wrap this up. But I just should say Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Uh, she's played by Scarlett Johansson. And, well, first of all, I I should say, I don't know why I'm going to say it, but I feel like I, I need to. I think she looks amazing. She's super hot in the film, again, as she usually is. But um, the character is a lot more, of course. She's a lot more than just eye candy. She is a formidable character with very impressive fighting skills. Like, she does that amazing thing where she, like, jumps on the shoulders of her enemies and then sort of spins around and 
uh, la- they land on the floor. You know, she's got all these amazing tricks and skills and things like that. And she's also an important character. There are other characters too, uh, like Ant-Man. There's Spider-Man is involved in this as well. Um, I want to just talk about the themes and subtexts of the film. So there are some political themes and some personal themes in it as well. So if we talk about Iron Man, so the main characters are Captain America and Iron Man. The story, uh, the the title of the film is Captain America Civil War, but this is as much a film about Iron Man as it is about Captain America. So Iron Man's story is that, you know, he's a weapons dealer who realises that military strength needs to be needs to be subjected to to government control. So he thinks that you know, uh, the Avengers should be subject to some level of government regulation. But Captain America is a soldier who believes that the Avengers are essentially the good guys and therefore they should be free to use all their power uh, in order to, to to fight, you know, the forces of evil. And that government control is a bad thing because that will end up in, in corruption and he thinks that the Avengers should be independent and free, okay? Now, the whole thing could be an allegory about American military policy. It could be. I mean, for example, um, uh, you know, you could say that there's a sort of a a 9-11 subtext there because, you know, we have the the large-scale destruction of New York. uh, And this is... This actually in 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 the first Avengers film, this destruction of New York is actually framed in the film as a victory for the heroes. Um, You know, which somehow i don't know having these superheroes there to protect new york amidst a lot of destruction kind of i don't know it seems to be quite pleasing for audiences you know that the putting a positive heroic uh spin on tragedies and on a large scale that happened in new york but it's not simple it's there's there's complex elements too and the film does deal with the sort of sense of responsibility that these heroes have over the 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 damage that's been caused the collateral damage caused um in the process of 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 fighting uh these enemies and things like that um so um um so there is an agreement that the un wants the avengers to sign and this essentially gives the UN, I think it's the UN, it gives them the power to overrule the Avengers. So essentially that if they signed this document, the Avengers would basically work for the United Nations. Tony Stark, Iron Man, thinks that's necessary to prevent other catastrophes and to prevent collateral damage in the future. But Captain America essentially believes that you can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. So Captain America thinks that uh, you know, some collateral damage is, is always going to happen and that uh, that's just the price you pay for uh, the freedom to protect the universe or to protect the world as a whole, okay? So this is a fairly complex moral problem um, and um, should the team be given total freedom to cross borders, to be unaccountable um, at the cost of some loss of life, you know, when there's some collateral damage, or should the team be subject to government control? So those are some themes in the film. And now I know what you might be thinking. Um, you might be thinking, which one do I agree with? Iron Man or Captain America? Which one do I prefer? Because it seems since in this film, uh, Iron Man and Captain America are fighting against each other. Um, and that's not a spoiler. 
uh, there are kind of two camps. There's the people who prefer Iron Man and the people who prefer Captain America. There's Team Iron Man and Team Captain America. Which one do I prefer? Well, um, in terms of their positions, I mean, in terms of sort of their opinions, I kind of agree with both of them. I think that they should be accountable to someone like the government, but there's always a chance that governments will become corrupt. So signing an accord to register the Avengers as a government-controlled asset um, seems a bit sketchy, like a bit dangerous, because, you know, governments always end up being corrupt or they're always, um, you know, they're always, there's always a danger that governments will end up being corrupted. Um, and so you need the Avengers to be outside of that system to an extent. But then again, the Avengers can't just go around causing collateral damage um, what, without being accountable for it. So they should have some regulation or some systemic sort of obligation to answer, you know, for the, the, the damage that they cause. So it's a tough call. Um, it's a difficult one. In the end, really, the film doesn't quite deal with those complex political questions. And instead, it turns into a personal story. Um, and I think they've really left it up to us to decide who we think won the Civil War. I'm not telling you what happens in the end. You you might, you know, when you see the end, you might decide that one team definitely wins and one team definitely doesn't. But also, I think to an extent, it's kind of left a bit open. Um, and remember, winning the battle and winning the war are not always the same thing, you know. Um, you know, they say that you hear these expressions like, you know, they won the battle, but they didn't win the war. The battle, winning the battle means winning a smaller conflict and winning the war means winning the larger um, you know, the the larger political conflict, you know? Um, so it might be possible to win the battle and yet not win the war. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see how the relationship between Captain America and Iron Man continues in in sort of the, the next movies that come out. Um, and uh, let's see. In terms of screen time... Um, I actually prefer Captain America in the action sequences and I prefer Tony Stark, Iron Man, in the dramatic sequences. So um, Captain America is a brilliant soldier and his fight scenes involve a lot of hand-to-hand combat, which is usually done really, really well. But I find his dramatic scenes can be a little bit dry. I mean, Captain America is quite a simple character, really. He's just a wholesome guy who wants to do the right thing. I mean, he's kind of... um, he, He... he comes from the past, so to an extent he's kind of lost in the modern world. But really, there's not much more to him than that. And I, he can be a little bit bland at times. On the other hand, Tony Stark, Iron Man, is a much more fascinating character. He's a mix of intellect, ego, arrogance, conflicted emotion, sadness, you know, uh, all these different emotions and things going on. And Robert Downey Jr. is a fantastic actor with tons of charisma and humanity. And you get the sense that he's just on the edge all the time, which gives Tony Stark a really exciting, dangerous and human quality to him. But I find that his action scenes are slightly less interesting as Iron Man, in my opinion, because essentially it's just a suit flying around. It's just a kind of robot suit flying around. And there is a man inside it, but it's basically just like a metallic suit flying around. And it's all computer graphics. And I find that I find computer graphics to be less appealing than actual human interactions. 
Even though the studio has done a really, really good job on the special effects. I mean, you know, the Iron Man special effects are amazing. And Iron Man is a lot better than most other special effects that we've seen in other superhero films. Because you get the feeling that Iron Man is real and heavy and an incredibly complex piece of engineering. And there are some cool moments where Tony Stark puts on the armour and the armour sort of builds itself around his body. And those are pretty cool moments. But as soon as the armour is on, I just feel like I'm, I'm watching computer graphics. And I prefer to watch Captain America doing all the things he does because it, it you know you can see that it's a real stuntman or a real actor doing those things i just prefer his his kind of bone crunching stunt work um also i'm never completely convinced how powerful tony stark's suit is it seems to be inconsistent like how powerful are those energy blasts that he has can he just can't he just shoot captain america's head off with one of those things i don't really understand quite what the power balance is between all the characters. And um, just before we end here, I'd like to just mention a, f- a couple of problems or sort of a couple of negative points that I have with the film. So first problem with the film is that it's a bit too long. And it's, I mean, it's even longer than this episode of this podcast. So, you know, it's really long. It was so long that I had to take a toilet break at some point. You know, in a, in a movie, it's always annoying when you need to get up to go to the toilet. Um, I always find that to be a difficult decision to make when I need the toilet and the movie hasn't finished and I have to make a decision. I think, am I going to hold on in with all this discomfort until the end of the film, uh, even though that might ruin my enjoyment because it's difficult to enjoy a movie when you really need the loo. So do I hold on and, and, uh, experience certain amount of discomfort, which might distract me from the enjoyment of the film, or do I make a break for it? and go on a, a secret agent ninja mission to the toilet. Um, and that's usually quite a complicated decision. Obviously, there are certain factors involved, like, for example, you know, the extent to which you like the film or what's going on in the film at that moment. Because you have to try and make a prediction, don't you? If you're going to make a break for the toilet, you, you do need to make a decision. And that's kind of like, when do I go? You have to wait for the scene, the movie to sort of have a quiet moment and then whew, off you go. Um, but you always miss something. There's always some little plot detail that you miss when that happens. So I did have to go on a ninja mission to the loo. Luckily, I didn't have to squeeze past too many people. I just kind of like ducked out of the room, did my business, came straight back, washed my hands and came straight back in, back into the action. So it's anyway, it's quite long. Um, and I mean, maybe I don't have a right to complain about that when I produce these epically long podcasts. Who knows? You might also think, well, I like the fact it was long because I like the film. So the more of the film there was, the better. It's value for money. All right. Um, another thing is I have an issue with the powers of some of these characters. And I did just mention that. So the powers, there seems to be quite a lot of grey area regarding their superpowers and there's a certain amount of inconsistency going on. For example, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, what is her power exactly? I think I've I mentioned that before. She seems to be able to control objects. She can control objects. She can control people's minds and she has this weird purple energy and it, it looks like she can do those Hadouken things from Street Fighter 2. Hadouken! But with a purple ball of light. I don't know what it is. 
I'm sure there's a backstory as to where her power comes from. I think it comes from Loki's scepter or something. I don't know. But if she can control objects, even large objects, then can't she just pick people up and fling them around, like smash them into walls or send them out into space? Or couldn't she just crush someone's like throat like Darth Vader? You know, um, I suppose doing that takes her a lot of energy and effort. Um, so there's probably a reason for it. But it just seemed a bit inconsistent that she seems to be absurdly powerful. And yet she doesn't use she's not like the most powerful character in the in the movie. I don't understand. Another thing is about the, the character called the Vision. Now, I've mentioned him already. I don't know what he is really, but that's I think probably just because I'm a bit stupid. Like I, I wasn't really able to understand uh, his character and where what he is. He comes from the previous Avengers film, The Age of Ultron. So I think he's elect. I think he's a sort of a robot or a computer program or synthetic or something. But can he just be stopped with an electromagnetic pulse? If you have an, ele- an electromagnetic pulse, can you just stop him then? I mean. What's it seems that if he's electric, you could just turn off his Wi-Fi or something, and that would be it. You know, that's how you stop him. You just unplug his Wi-Fi, just pull the plug out, and he'll stop. I mean, if he is a computer, basically a computer program, if you if you spin like a rainbow umbrella in in front of his face, will he just freeze? You know, like if you've got you know on your Apple Mac. When the computer, when that little rainbow starts, when that uh, umbrella starts spinning, the spinning umbrella of death, when that starts spinning on your Mac, the whole Mac just stops, right? Is that the same thing with the vision? Can you just spin a rainbow umbrella in front of his face and then uh, he'll just pause? I don't know. Also, you know, if you ask the vision to do too many things at the same time, will he just crash? Because his, his, uh, his memory can't handle it. Like if you say to Vision, Vision, can you just bring me that cup and can you turn the turn the TV off and can you start the internet and can you open iTunes and can you um, uh, can you edit this piece of uh, audio and also can you, uh, you know, uh, turn YouTube on? He'll probably just go uh, and stop and then you just smash him in the face or something. I don't really understand how, how he works. Um, and the Vision, uh, he looks a little bit silly. He does. He's got like this purple shiny face and I don't know, I'm not convinced by how he looks. I mean it, it he works in the comics, like his his appearance works in the comics because it's like hand drawn and stuff, but in live action he just looks a bit strange, especially since I think he can choose how he looks, can't he? He has control over his appearance. So why does he choose that look in particular? And also in this film, he's like wearing a sweater. He's wearing like normal clothes. He's wearing like a shirt and a sweater and, and a pair of slacks, like a normal guy, like he's trying to blend in. But I thought he could just change his appearance if he wanted to. I don't get it. But anyway, really, I'm nitpicking. I'm just nitpicking. These are small details, really, especially about the vision. I suppose the vision is just discovering his powers, you know, and we'll probably learn more about him in the, in future episodes. He is a fascinating character because he's got an infinity stone in his forehead. So there's, I'm sure interesting things are going to happen with him in the future. Um, and, you know, there are other th- interesting things about him, like he can lift Thor's hammer, for example. Like no one can lift Thor's hammer uh, or very few people can do it, but he can. And that's quite interesting, I suppose. So, um, um, other issues are that so that 
you know that in the film the Avengers start to fight each other, but I'm never really convinced that they really want to do damage to each other. So, I mean, you know, they're fighting, they're smashing each other up and stuff. Uh, but do they really want to kill each other? I'm never convinced that they, that they do. And so some of the fight sequences seem a little bit like American wrestling. You know, just big characters beating each other up, but you never really believe that they're trying to hurt each other for real. Uh, but saying that, the large battle sequences are handled very well, and there are some really interesting twists and also some very humorous surprises. And ultimately, it's just a lot of fun to watch these characters um, beating each other up. Um, also, there are a few plot holes in the film, like aspects of the story that don't make sense. For example, some, as I said, inconsistency or vagueness of the superpowers. But really, these films, they don't need to make sense, really. And ultimately, I don't really care about these issues when the film as a whole is so enjoyable and dramatic and funny. All right. So overall, the film is a bit long, but it manages to cram in some really interesting character development, some big themes, some quite interesting themes, you know, about politics and stuff like that. A mix of realism and fantasy in the action sequences and some dazzling moments of spectacle. Uh, and of course, you know, loads of great superheroes all in one film together. So if you like superhero films, then I think that this has got to be one of the best that we've had so far. So what do you think? Have you seen this? Uh, also, what about other Marvel films? What do you think of them? Which one is your favourite? And also, did I miss anything important here? Uh, please leave your comments and remember not to give away any big plot spoilers in your comments because other listeners might not have seen those things. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, that's the end of this episode. It's a long one, isn't it? Uh, here's an additional point at the end. So... This is actually the first in a trilogy of superhero-themed podcast episodes. And um, I think this one that you're listening to now is probably part two of the first part of the trilogy. Is this complicated enough? Um, but, I mean, I suppose this is becoming a thing in movies, isn't it, these days? That you get these, these two-part movies. Like, for example, the seventh Harry Potter film was actually two parts. So they managed to make it into two movies. Um, and uh, other examples like I think there's a Hunger Games film which is in two parts as well so essentially this is a superhero themed trilogy of movies and the first part of that trilogy is actually divided into two episodes okay so it's going to be four it's a four episode trilogy I know that doesn't make sense because trilogy is normally three parts but uh, you know I like to break the rules on Luke's English podcast um when I started recording this episode you're listening to, I thought it would be about one episode where I'd talk about Marvel and Captain America in one episode. But I don't know if it's a superpower, but it seems that I'm able to stretch um, these episodes over long periods of time. Like, I thought it would be about an hour, an hour and a half. Maybe I just have bad judgment when it comes to um, my timing. Or maybe I just get carried away and I add lots of extra stuff which extends the running time. But you don't mind, do you? Of course you don't. Of course you don't. But maybe my superpower is to be able to just extend time. I don't know. If I, if I had a superpower, I think what I'd like to be able to do is to squeeze more content into shorter episodes. Um, that might be my superpower. It seems that I'm able to just... It seems that when I start talking on this podcast, time just flies incredibly fast. 
Um, but anyway, this is the first in a trilogy of superhero-themed podcast episodes. The next one will be that conversation with my Marvel geek friend Paul Langton, in which we focus on the characters uh, in more detail, and we try to decide who's the strongest, okay? And then in the third part um, of this series, you're going to hear another movie review. And yes, just this afternoon, I went to see another superhero film, and that's the latest one in the X-Men series, that's X-Men Apocalypse, which is actually the sixth, something like the sixth X-Men film, and the third part in the rebooted X-Men franchise. So um, I'll give you my review of that, and I have some fairly strong opinions on that film. Uh, But if you'd like to know what I think of it, then you'll just have to wait and see. Okay, but that's it for this one. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. Um, And you can look forward to another superhero-themed episode coming soon. And if you don't like superheroes and stuff like that, then never mind, because normal podcasting will be resumed uh, in due course. And uh, I'll be... I'm going to be talking to my dad about politics and Brexit and things like that and lots of other things that are coming soon. Uh, Don't forget to check out italki where you can find native speakers to talk to and if you want to practice your spoken English and develop your fluency, you can do it on italki. You can find native speakers to talk talk to about, you know, movies, for example. That might be a good thing to do. Um, And speaking is, is very important as a way of activating a lot of the language that you're hearing in episodes of the podcast and in other parts of your life. Um, you must do some speaking. It's, it's very important for your balanced, you know, to get an overall balanced improvement in your English. So go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk and you can then take, the, take advantage of that uh, voucher that they'll give you if you buy some lessons. Okay. Um, all right then. So that's it for this one. Speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.